more than conquerors. We're going to look at a closer look at the scripture. Ask you a question. Do you ever feel like you're working really hard and getting nowhere? Anybody ever feel that way? Anybody ever feel like you're really working hard and getting nowhere? So we want to, I want to deal with that in uh, this more than conquerors. And we're still rolling in this. I just can't. I feel like this is what the Lord is wanting to do with my life and with your life. Does that make sense? We've got to, we've got to go beyond. Uh, a closer look at this scripture is going to remind us of some things. Because we were looking at Romans 8.37 and, and giving you context. But I, I want you to look at the scripture and I want you to see what I'm seeing. All right, read it with me. Read it out loud. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know. Did you read it? Amen. Or did you just kind of, you know, get nothing will separate me from. But did you see what, what's being mentioned here? Amen. Now, just back up just a little bit. I'm sure that neither death nor life. Those are the big those are the two big deals. Right. So look at me. I want to tell you this. This is a life and death struggle. You got that? Well, I can't believe you're struggling for it. No, this is a life and death struggle. Now, look, keep looking. And I am sure Okay, I'm more than a conqueror for you could that 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 little word right there for preposition right there. You could you could also put another word that would work there because you could put that. Okay, for because because I am certain I am persuaded. This is what I know that neither death nor life. Okay, stop. Neither the end of my life nor the struggle in my life currently. Do you get that? Neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers. Okay, why would angels be trying to separate me from the love of God? Angels or rulers. What rulers are we talking about here? Are you still in the house? Notice how we just kind of jump over this. Angels, nor rulers, nor things present. Things that I'm dealing with currently, my current season or my next season. Things present, nor things to come. And then he says, nor powers. Powers? What are we talking about? Are you still with me? I mean, we just like to read the scriptures the way we like to read them sometimes. We don't, we don't, and if we would read them the way that the Holy Spirit intended us for, then we might be able to figure out what's going on in our lives. Amen. Nor powers, nor height, nor depth. Things above or things below. Okay? It's not talking about tall people and short people there. Okay? Things above or things below. Nor anything else in all creation. Okay? So what's, what are the created things that we're talking about here? So you notice that there is a description in this that there is a struggle to separate you from the love of God. 
the understanding. No guilt, no shame. Every chain is broken. That there is a struggle going on to separate me from my faith. From my relationship with my God. And it's not what you think it is. You have a belief that it is that, I mean, everything is a fairy tale. You know, everything is cute. And sometimes we read the Bible as a fairy tale. How many want the truth today? Anybody want the truth? So in Joshua 1 and 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Uh, Do not be afraid or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now there's more to this. Okay. This is testing and warfare. He says, I want you to be strong and courageous because... Because you will move through wilderness. And those who fail to move through wilderness will end up in bondage. Okay? You end up in bondage. And then, this is what happens. You end up getting delivered again and again and again and again and again. Does that make sense? You say, no, pastor, I'm saved. I know. No. What happens is you go through tests. How many have ever failed a test? And in the failing, you find yourself bound again in guilt and shame. How many have been set free from guilt and shame before and found yourself in bondage to it again? And we think it's all in my head. Well, some of it is in your head. All right. I mean, we we think that when, when, when the Israelites realize that they can't just build houses and plant wheat and birth babies, Something else is really going on here. Because they think, okay, now we're in the promised land. And then we studied Judges last week, right? We hit so much of Judges last week. So what we ought to be able to do is just, you know, let's just take a chill pill. Let's just plow. And let's just do life. Let's just do what we want to do and go where we want to go. Worship what we want to worship. Everything's good now because we crossed the Jordan. Right? So we're cool now. You need to understand that there are things that want to separate you from your relationship with God. There is life and death issues. There are angels and rulers and things present and things to come. There are powers. There are things in the heavens. There are things below us. Nobody wants to hear this on a Sunday morning. You were just saying, Jesus loves me with your granddaughter. So uh, I... uh, I was thinking back to a moment, and I told you this story before, but I want to enlarge it. This was years ago, uh, and it's kind of an embarrassing sort of a story, but it's the truth. Uh, it's when the children were very young, it was like our second pastoral year of ministry, something like that. There was a book out by Frank Peretti called This Present Darkness. Anybody remember that? Okay, there's, there's a series on that, and... And there was, you know, theological discussions and debates regarding it because it's a, it's one of those, uh, it's, it, it's kind of, it's, it's a fictional story, but it has some biblical truth to it. And so in reading it, I was, I would, Diane and I had, were traveling from Ohio to back to Virginia Beach in a borrowed car. It was a station wagon. Anybody got a station wagon? I don't know, it was a station wagon before car seat rules. And the kids were young. Uh, so uh, they were sleeping in the back of the station wagon. Come on, don't look at me like I'm on a... 
Nobody, you didn't have to do that in those days. Nobody's talking about it. It weren't commercials. And you would have done it too. Amen. 1989. Okay, 1990. And uh, so the book had been out. So I don't know exactly what the year the book came out. So I, that would give me the year. I didn't research that. But anyway, we borrowed a car because my car was kind of weary. And uh, anybody been in those situations before? I know you look at me and you say, Pastor Rick, you, you're wealthy. You don't know my story. All right, I've been broke before. Shoot. I have had some. I have been broke, broke, broke. And uh, pastor the church broke, and the church was broke. And, uh, so I borrowed a car. We're coming back. We're coming down past Charlottesville. Uh, we had stopped at Shoney's. I'd eaten something that uh, uh, did not feel good in my stomach. And I was sick. Diana started driving. It was getting late because in the day, you like driving late because your kids would sleep in the back and leave you alone. Yes. So the kids were asleep, and I turned the radio on. It had a knob. Anybody seen those? It was like a, you turned it on and tuned it in. And it just so happened that I had read this book, but it was being read on the radio. And it was a particular part in the book that where there was a pastor that was praying Jesus. Hmm. And there was a large angel standing behind him and doing warfare while he prayed. And so I was reading that and listening to it and my last thought was Lord, does that really happen? Do you really send your angels to protect your people? Is there really that kind of warfare going on? And I passed out, fell asleep. Diana's driving. She passed out, fell asleep. And I woke up, and we're driving down the side of the road on a mountain road. She's sleeping peacefully. It all happened really fast. I grabbed the steering wheel threw it back on the road, and we went into a spin on Route 64. All right? And suddenly came to a slow stop on the edge of the road. We didn't have a dent in the car. There were, we did, there, we, there were no other cars out there on the highway. We didn't hit a car. I got out of the car and got down on my knees. <laughs> Jesus, you just saved my life. Now, you've heard that story before, but you haven't heard it this way, all right? Uh, the Lord took me back to this and discovered some things. Tiredness. Did you hear what I said? Poor reactions. Struggling with doubt. And another, another component, an enemy that wanted to destroy me and my family. Did you hear all of that? Tired? Anybody just been tired? Anybody ever have poor reactions? Anybody when you're tired, you respond differently? You work like two or three jobs, everybody's tired? Well, no, you, look, if you want your laundry done, then you do it yourself. I don't want to do laundry. I know that sounds silly, but a lot of your arguments are petty. 
and come out of your tiredness and your pain and your sickness. Listen, and your fear, your anxiety and poor reactions. You find yourself in a spin in the middle of the road. Diana was tired. I shouldn't have had her drive. We should have rested. We should have taken a Sabbath. We should have rested rather than driving. We should have listened to the Lord at that moment. And he is saying, I love you. I'm going to show you something, Lord. Son, I'm going to show you something that I am here. And even when you're weak, I'll be strong. Okay. Uh, Poor reaction, struggling with doubt. Lord, are you there or are you not there? Do you cover me? Do you not cover me? So what I'm saying is it still happens to me. I wake up, my life is going through a spin. Anybody ever do that before? And then you transfer it to somebody else. Why are you falling asleep in a wheel? Why are you sleeping? <laughs> Poor reactions. But also the devices of the enemy. Hoping that your flesh and the situations in the world will put you to a place where you will stop putting your faith in the Lord Jesus. Uh, and I don't want to overthink this any more than I already did. I just want you to understand that warfare is going on. And I, and I want a simple yet, I want you to have a simple yet clear perspective. And I think I'm going to work on this for a couple of weeks. Is that all right? Yes. All right. Because that's what's turning over in my heart. Uh, so this is what I want you to do. I want you to stop pretending, pretending that everything in your life is just choosing what you will have for dinner. Or just normal relational conflict. Sometimes there is more to it. So we're going to talk about overcoming spiritual conflict. Okay, conflicts in the spirit. And I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, the first part says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary... The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I don't think I put all that scripture up there. I should have. But humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time he may exalt you. You say, he's going to exalt me. He's going to save you. He's going to rescue you. Okay? Stay. Look at somebody say, stay humble. Okay? And then he says, uh, cast all your fears on him because he cares for you. Do you understand what that means? He cares. I didn't put that. You need to look that up in your Bible or something. Cast all of your cares on him because he already cares for you. So in other words, I'm taking my cares and giving them to him. So he this this is what he's saying. Don't worry about this. Let me worry about those things. Amen. Some of the things that you hold as worries. God says, I would like to take care of that on your behalf. Be sober-minded. Make sure that your mind is not inebriated by things in this world. Did you hear me? Be sober-minded. You have your mind on things that you should not have your mind on. How many know fear, anxiety will intoxicate you? You say, well, I don't drink. You're drinking something. (laughs) Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around. Now, here's what he's saying. When When you are in an anxious place, When you are walking in fear, when you are intoxicated in your mind, watch out because the devil is looking for somebody like you to devour. Resist him. He's like a roaring lion. Resist him uh, standing firm in your faith 
knowing that the same, look, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, you're not the only one who deals with this stuff. So lift your hand, lift your hand. Look, everybody's got hands. Look, look at that. Look at all those hands in the room. See what I'm saying? Everybody, how many's ever dealt with anxiety? Anybody dealt with it before? How many have ever dealt with pain and fear? Wave your hand. How many have felt like giving up before? How many have been tired, worn out, and said the wrong things? Wave both of your hands, all right? Put your hands down. So I want to talk about spiritual warfare. And, and again, this is really a deeper theme of this entire summer series. I'm here to help you understand something that we've been learning on a deeper level. Here, this is battle. This is warfare, and we need to know how to conquer in the Spirit. We're going to talk about the war that followers of Christ find themselves in. I think sometimes we work so hard to see spiritual warfare as an occasional issue. Well, you know, I think like six years ago I had a spiritual struggle. Shut up. That wasn't nice, but neither is the devil. It's a prevalent one. And, and I don't want to sensationalize anything because some people use this topic and sensationalize it until that's all they ever talk about. Looking for demons around every corner. Do you see that devil around that shrub up there? Ah! Stop it. I'm not going to do that. But let me ask you. Let me ask you this question. How have you been doing lately? Just checking in with you. How have you been doing? I'm doing pretty good. Liar. How were you doing last night? How were your dreams? How were your struggles? What about the accusations, your thoughts of poverty and deprivation and dread? Thoughts. Thoughts of you're not successful and you never will be. That you've just messed everything up and your life is a waste. Thoughts of uh, just, I don't even want to get up this morning. I didn't want to go to bed, now I don't want to get up. Have you ever risen in the morning? I'm just going to talk frankly, okay? Have you ever risen in the morning feeling like you just suck at life? can't believe I said that, but I did, all right? That you're a failure, that you always have been, and though you're saved, you're drowning in chaos and just filled with confusion, and you're not going to make it. Anybody ever woke up that way in the morning? Anybody ever got up that way? Anybody want to raise your hand and confess it? Okay, there we go. Uh, I, I, sometimes, personally, I think in my life I struggle like that sometimes. Sometimes I feel, I have feelings of diminishment. Anybody ever have that? Uh, sense of inner destruction and failure. Sometimes I just have to scream. Anybody ever had to scream? Is there anybody in the car that's ever screamed at God? All right? Got in the car just, God, where are you? What are you doing? I'm the only person, I guess. Sometimes, anybody ever scream at hell? Anybody ever scream at heaven? And sometimes the stuff that you deal with, um, some, let me say it, sometimes the stuff that you deal with is not coming from you. Sometimes it's not born in you. It comes against you from the enemy. And you have to pray against it. You have to love God and declare the truth. My, my personal belief at such times is this. Uh, if I am going through something, others are going through it well also. Anybody believe that? 
There are people in your circle and God wants to raise everybody else. So it was, uh, I, I, it, we had a moment a few weeks ago, uh, I was preaching on AI. Anybody remember that? I was preaching on AI. I was talking about jav- the, the javelin and Clifford came up at the end of the service and he said, and he said, pray for your pastor. All right. Because I have felt spiritual warfare lately. Anybody else felt spiritual warfare? I felt warfare in the spirit. And, uh, and, you know, that exhortation, you know, if we're going to go to a place of strength and conquer, nobody, listen, the enemy doesn't care so much about you as long as you're in bondage. He doesn't care about you if you're losing in every aspect of your life. The enemy is not going to, doesn't need to waste his time on people that are already wasted. All right? But if we're going to be strong and courageous, that means we're going to go to the enemy's camp and take back what he's stolen. And, and sometimes you find yourselves in warfare in your mind and in your heart, and you have to fight. You have to prevail. You have to pray. You have to seek the Lord. And I want you to know this. God wants you to know this. He intends for us to prevail and to conquer in every area of your life. And He's given us tools. He's given us authority. He's given us power to overcome. And sometimes these struggles are relational, struggles in your home, struggles in your marriage. And you miss a chance to handle your heart wisely. And you move into accusation and diminishment. Come on, am I telling the truth? You diminish yourself, you diminish your loved one, and then you go from shame to dread. You don't even want to talk about it. You, you dread when you come home, you dread when you go to work, you, you have fear, you have doubt. And sometimes there's a small wound that is relational from your childhood, suddenly feels like it happened yesterday. And you feel the same rage or anger or hurt that you felt when you were seven years old. And you lash out and you say, what's going on in my life? But somebody say dread. Dread is a terrible thing. Dreading the future. Dreading life. For me, it's like a spirit of death. Does that make sense to anybody? Anybody ever had that feeling like death was about you? I know what I'm talking about because it's not popular with some. And some people thought, you know, if this is where you're going, I don't know why I came to church today. I know why you came. Because you need to hear this. You need to stay with me today and let me help you. Because I believe if you'll just walk with me through some scriptures, uh, we can settle some things. All right. Now, first of all, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about some core beliefs. Because I think that sometimes we skip when you miss the core. Right. You miss the truth. So spiritual conflict is a central topic of scripture. It's central in scripture. Uh, we're looking at 1 Peter 5. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring seek, a lion seeking whom he can devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Do you know where I got that scripture? Out of the Bible. <laughs> Read it right there in the Bible. Okay? And I've, I've, had, I've heard so many strange stories about this stuff. Weird stories. Funny, funny stories. I, I remember one story once about this. And true story, okay? Pastor friend of mine told a story. I know it's truth, okay? All right? He said, he, said I, he was with this evangelist, and they thought this guy had a demon. They started praying. And while they were praying, he burped really big. Just, bleh, you know? And uh, it smelled really bad. The pastor jumped back and said, Dear God, we've got a stink demon in the house. <laughs> you got to be careful about them stink demons. All right. 
Sometimes I think people watch too many episodes of Ghostbusters. <laughs> episodes. Movies, Ghostbusters. But, but spiritual warfare is no joke, all right? Uh, I was uh, moved by a story in the news this past week about a family that was camping in Canada. Anybody hear this? Uh, a husband, wife, and their kids are in a tent at night. There's other people around. In the middle of the night, a wolf attacked their tent, tore into the tent, and the father stood in front and was fighting the wolf off. And his, the wolf is just eating him up, chewing his arms and is biting him all over. And the father's still standing in the Jesus, fighting him, fighting for his wife, fighting for his kids. My preacher is a man right now. He's fighting, and, and he's, uh, uh, a neighbor, another guy, watch, is seeing what's happening. He runs over. He doesn't know what to do, but he just kicks the wolf as hard as he can. And the wolf jumps back, and it's as if he's dragging the father out of the tent. And then the father grabs a tent pole, and another guy grabs some kind of pole, and they're just, they start fighting him and hitting him and kicking. Finally, the wolf takes off and runs. See, resist him. All right? It's not what you want it to be. Sometimes you think resist him is just having a cup of coffee. Resist him. I'm just going to go lay in a pool for a while. Resist him sometimes lasts for a little while. The story spoke to me. I'm not trying to make you afraid, but it does call us to unpack the topic we call spiritual warfare. I don't think we unpack it very well. I think we hear stories and then we just base our, our beliefs on certain stories. We should base it on the Bible. There are three categories that the scripture deals with. One is the world, one is the flesh, and the other one is the evil one. Uh, you're going to struggle in the world. How many know you're going to just struggle because we're in a world that's full of struggle? And then the flesh, you know, your, your flesh, your, your flesh self, your self-life. Your flesh has been broken. Your flesh has stuff going on in it. Come on, tell me the truth, all right? It's my flesh. I'm struggling in my flesh. And then the evil one, all right? It's important to understand that there is an evil one. I, I ain't got time to preach this today. I'm, can you work with me for a moment? All right? It's important to understand that everything isn't war, warfare. However, some things are all-out warfare. It's important to understand that sometimes... Uh, it, you're, it's not the world or the flesh, however. Sometimes what you're struggling with actually comes from evil. Curses in the work of the enemy. enemy. Everything is not spiritual warfare. We need to know this so that we can fight and be effective. We need to give space, however, for spiritual warfare. Sometimes you need to sit down and deal with some practical matters in your life. Okay, this is spiritual warfare. No, you're spending all your money and not paying your bills. Got that? Now, how many know the enemy will involve himself in that? And that might be one of the reasons you're doing that. What I've discovered and taught over the years is that we have an understanding. You've heard me talk in years past on the triunity of man, the holistic concept of man. We are body, soul, and spirit. And we need to understand that. For instance, if you encounter anxiety issues, you also need to look at body issues. Do you get that? We have neurochemical things that are going on in our life, and they are no joke. Come on, counselors, can I get a yes from somebody? Yes. All right. And, and however, 
spiritual warfare is something that we have to deal with. And that's, that's what we learned from Joshua in Joshua 1 and 9. Uh, notice when the Lord told him, be strong and courageous uh, and don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. I'll be with you wherever you go. Uh, here's what he said. I'll be with you wherever you go. He didn't say, now what I want you to do is just sit right here in the wilderness and rebuke the devil. And when he's gone, then you can go. No. He said, be strong and courageous. You're going to go into battle. And, and he had to declare the word. You know, Joshua had to declare the word of the Lord. He didn't just rebuke the enemy from afar and head over to Olive Garden after Sunday for some pasta. He had to get on his horse and ride into battle. He had to declare the word of the Lord. He had to point the javelin at Ai. Remember Gideon? He had to deal with some small demonic stuff before he ever went after uh, the Midianites. You understand? It's not like you're going to have to tear down the idol of Baal and people are not going to like it. This is warfare. We're not just going to sit here. Yes, the devil is defeated, but so are you if you allow him to control your home and family and your community. No more. We are in a broken and sinful world and things are going on that bring struggle for everyone. But you also have a soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. And you have a history, you have a story, and you have woundedness. And they need to be dealt with and healed. But you're also a spiritual being. Say it, I am spiritual. Say it, I am spirit. And you live in a spiritual world and the enemy loves to seize upon your weaknesses. So we need to have this, this deeper, this, this holistic approach to our lives, to our relationships, to our hopes and dreams and the life that we desire and the life that we want for those around us. I want this teaching on spiritual warfare to lead you to freedom and joyfulness. I do. So let me, let's get our theology straight real quick, okay? How did the ancient Hebrews look at spiritual warfare? How do New Testament believers and how do we look at it today? So here, just so you, don't have, so you have an understanding, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Anybody believe God created the heavens and the earth, all right? All right, and then God said, let us make man in our own image. And he created him and let him rule over the fish. So he gives us this wonderful world, okay? And then God blessed them, told them to be fruitful and increase in number. Uh, he, created, he created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created male and female. He created them. Then he blessed them and he gave them the world to enjoy, all right? So you see all of this in Scripture. So uh, we have, we have, as the Hebrews did, had a, we have a God-centric worldview. Creation is a loving gift of God. Somebody praise God for the beaches and the sunrises and the sunsets, all right? And then we meet in, in the story of creation, we meet humanity. We are the sons and daughters of God. You understand that? Uh, and, we, and, and, and the sons and daughters of God, we're here. We should care for the world. We should create. We, we become teachers and leaders and we're fruitful and we multiply. But most people's worldview stops right there. At moments in life when I feel the condemnation and the accusations and the pain of life. Anybody ever have that? And on occasions, I need to stop and ask myself the question, what else is going on here? So if you get just a couple more chapters deep in Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, there's this garden. And now we have a serpent who is more cunning than any beast of the field. Anybody remember this? And he comes and tempts Adam and Eve. And out of that, we find out, hey, there's, some, there's another issue that's going on. Now, if you look... Just jump with me to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 11. It's clear 
that prior to humans, we find something else on the, uh, going on. In Revelation chapter 5, I looked uh, and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne, the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they sang, worthy is the lamb. Shouted, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. They all shouted. Who shouted this? Everybody. Yeah, specifically angels and creatures and elders all right living creatures there's a lot more going on than god and people i don't know if you just heard what i taught you there's a lot more going on in the world than just god and people Mm. if you do the math here that's about a hundred million angels so make the point there are just a lot of creatures out there Uh, So what we also know is that a company of these holy creatures fell in Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. A great and wondrous sign, this is the Christmas story really, appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and the crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain and she was about to give birth. Anybody know this story? And then in verse 3, then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth. So there's another sign. Before the the baby was born, there was a dragon. This This is what we call the devil, all right? And a third of those... Uh, hundreds of millions, 100 million angels, at least 50 million fallen angels. So the scripture is giving us this uh, robust view uh, of really what's going on here. And it's not just God and people. It's a picture of spiritual beings, God and the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, the holy angels, creatures, holy angels, elders. And we can get more into them. But, but I just want to keep this simple. All right. This red dragon we know is Satan, obviously. We have this truth. God's army is bigger than the devil. But they are at war with each other and with humanity. Now look at Revelation 12, 17. The dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring. Those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Wow. So we have a populated spiritual war interacting with humanity and actually making war specifically with those who believe in Jesus. You say, look at all the warfare with all... No, those people already joined the other army. The enemy makes war with who? With us. So I've had people come to me and ask me the question... You know, how can you believe in God when there is so much suffering and war and death? You know, you know, like two million children in sex trafficking trades. How do you watch what ISIS does? How do you watch the way they deal with people and, and death and destruction in our world and the condition of our society that sometimes we buy into? How do you let me let me explain it to you? Okay. Uh, you got to understand that you were born into a war at war. Uh, This isn't just you and God trying to make things work out. There are a host of issues here. Magnificent angels of God, but also powerful dark angels and Satan. And okay, now, now does it make sense? Does it make sense? I mean, suddenly you say, what? There's warfare going on. What if everybody would just love each other? There would still be spiritual warfare going on. Amen. 
What, what is all the hate about? How is it that people actually accuse people who love massively of hating in this world? How, how does that happen? We are in a dark situation, church. Amen. What you're going through is not just, well, I feel bad today. And, man, you're looking at me strange this morning. Anybody think we're on target? Anybody think we're on the right target? So here's what I'm telling you in the next two minutes of this sermon. You have a role in the fight against darkness. Wave at me. I have a role. Say it. I have a role in the fight against darkness. Finally, brother, in Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle again. It's not against flesh and blood. Remember this teaching we read earlier? It's against rulers, authorities, powers of the dark world, against spiritual forces in heavenly realm. It makes things clear. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Your struggle is not against your ex or your neighbor or the government. This is actually describing rank and levels of leadership in places of darkness. We need to be able to stand and be upright so that we're not taken out. And if you listen to the rest of this in Ephesians 6.13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. In other words, you're going to find yourself in a, in a battle. Wait and shake your head up and down. You're going to find yourself in a battle. Some of you have been there. And when you do everything, you stand. Make a stand. Stand firm with a belt of truth. How many know these? The buckle around your waist. The breastplate of righteousness in place. Your feet... Fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel. I need the gospel. I need to walk in the word of God. And in addition to this, take up the shield of faith. That with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts, flaming arrows of the evil one. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. That's what I've been. That's what I have recently been hit with. And you have been hit with. The flaming darts of the evil one. How many know they're real? Anybody know that? And destructive. And these things are hurtful and destructive. You've got to keep your faith up. Come on, I've got to keep building my faith. I don't know if I'm going to read a Bible and go to church or worship. I just don't like that stuff. And it's weird. Stop speaking the language of the devil. Amen. Stop. Get yourself up. Get yourself I'm telling you, webcast. Get yourself up. Listen. Wherever you are. Get yourself into the fellowship. We need one another. Come on. I need my faith built. This is very clear from Genesis to Revelation throughout the scripture. The context is that there is a dark kingdom that is making war against humanity. And God and all of these spectacular spiritual creatures are involved. Ephesians makes it clear. This helps us make so much sense. We must overcome the idea That it isn't even your job to deal with evil. That that's all God's job. No. You need to put on the armor of God. Be strong and courageous. The strong and courageous aspect of this is that you need to get in the fight. It's already a fight. Doing nothing is losing the fight. The false theology that it isn't your job or you don't have to resist or just let go and let God do it all. Come on. you got to fight. you got to stand up. you got to pick up your sword. You've been armed for spiritual battle. Not for a style show. Not for modeling. Oh, look how Christian I am. No. you got to get the armor of God on. Take the sword of the Spirit and deal with these things. Amen. Amen. Being armed for spiritual battle. You were born into this world at war. And, and get this. 
Everyone who aligns with Jesus is especially at war. That's what we said in Revelation 12 and 17. Everyone who aligns with Jesus. So can I focus quickly on the last statement of Ephesians, which says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. I'll give you more. I'm only giving you like highlights right now. I will give you more later. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Who are all the saints? We're the saints. So this isn't just a view. I'm not giving you a view of Scripture. This is the view. All right? Anybody that tells you the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for today are just... Really? With this stuff going on? We live in a populated universe and all kinds of supernatural beings are interacting. We have to know the power of the battle. I mean, think about Adam so you understand the power of the battle. All right, he is living in paradise in the garden without any broken parents, having everything. He's with his truest companion, truly his rib mate. There was a power great enough in that garden to tempt him to make him make a choice for the devil. Did you hear what I said? He didn't have any stuff. He didn't have a job. Just working around the garden. Didn't even have to work. Just picked fruit off the trees. Hang out. Names of animals. But think, that was to give us an understanding of the players on the stage. Let's see what the Bible says in the gospel and see what Jesus says about it. In, in Mark chapter 1, remember when Jesus was baptized in Mark chapter 1 and 9? Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. And a voice says, you are my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit sent him into the desert. And he was in the desert for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals and angels attended him. All right, now stop looking at that like an episode of Harry Potter. All right? He's filled with the Spirit. So Mark begins with the baptism of Jesus and then the validation of the Father. How many know who you are? I am a child of God. Then the very next breath, the Spirit pushed him into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. Now notice that the angels are there to attend to him. Anybody see the warfare going on? Now notice on the very heels of being loved and validated by his father, he spends 40 days of combat with the enemy. I love you! Now go fight the devil. And he suffered, but he prevailed out of that revelation. And then the scripture continues. He goes to Capernaum. This is all in the first chapter of Mark. They go to Capernaum. The Sabbath came. Jesus in the synagogue teaching. People were amazed. And a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him. Now, what did the people see? They saw a man interrupting really good teaching, yelling at Jesus. And he says, come to Have you come to destroy us? This is the first public act in his ministry. Jesus speaks sternly and doesn't talk to the man. He speaks to an unnamed presence. Now, now notice, some people say, oh, we're going to start casting out demons today. Quit. Just shake your, just slap yourself. Right where you are, just slap yourself. All right. There you go. Notice, Jesus does this over and over in Scripture. In, in Mark 1.32, that evening, after sunset, the people brought Jesus all the sick, and the demon possessed, the whole town gathered at the door, and he healed many, and he drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because he, they knew who he was. I'm not going to give them a voice in this. So this is so difficult for us in our worldview. It's messy, 
But still, this is the world for which you were created. Notice what we find in the gospel. The first active work of Jesus was standing in the authority of the kingdom and identifying the powers of darkness and setting people free. And this is just the first chapter of Mark. This is not poetic metaphors. Listen, the kingdom of God, this is what's going on. Some of you are afraid. Listen, the kingdom of God is invading the world through Jesus Christ and it seems like all of hell is breaking loose. You see that? But we are children of the Most High God. Jesus comes to take the world back and to set people free. And and this is just three encounters in the opening chapters. Now now notice the Apostle Paul, Acts 16. Same thing happens. Some girl chasing him down. I don't have time to give you all the context of this, but she is validating him. She is a psychic. So, So you know, people who are psychics, just so you know, that is a spiritual battleground, okay? So don't come and give Madam so-and-so your money and think you're just playing games. It's demonic, and many of those individuals involved in that with tarot card readings and astrological issues, those things are demonic. Amen. Don't validate them. Don't bless them. Don't go buy crystal, crystals at the Edgar Casey Center. He was a demonized man. Amen. So I'm, I'm telling you all this. To tell you that we play a pivotal and even beautiful role in that we are directed to armor up and be ready to actively go to battle. All right? This is sound. How many? I've given you sound biblical evidence. Am I right? It, I don't think it's arguable. All right? So now I want you to all be ready for battle because you have to leave this church in a couple of minutes. So um, you must always be ready for battle. Say it. You must always be ready for battle. That's my theme as I close this message. People in this room, I want you to be prepared. All right? We've had all kinds of horrible stories over the last few months. I mean, the Virginia Beach, uh, March 3rd, B.B. Strong, amen? Uh, Dayton, El Paso, recently in Philadelphia. These are horrible stories. Uh, You know, thank God for security, amen? Amen. But the enemy has been massacring our children in our communities for years, causing the people of God like Gideon to hide in caves. We have to be ready. James 4 and 7. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Have you heard that in other passages of scripture? Anybody heard that over and over? First Peter. Uh, resist him. Stand firm in your faith. Knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood. Is, look, is this your normal? Is this your interpretive worldview? If you don't allow it, then your interpretation into your interpretation of life, then, then things are going to happen And you're going to have to ask the question, what is the underlying thing? I don't want you to be afraid. Come on, let me say, I want to see you be brave. All right? I want to see you rise up. Ultimately, when you are involved in an event in life, and there seems to be an overwhelming sense of to doubt God and to operate contrary to the word of God, drawn away by what the scripture calls seducing spirits, in 1 Timothy 4 and 1, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. It happened twice in the last two weeks of high influential Christian leaders who came out on social media and said, I'm not a Christian anymore. So worship leaders, writers to our youth, individuals like that, I'm telling you, we are in the last days. Grab a hold of the nail-scarred hands of Jesus and clothe yourself in the armor of God. Everybody stand up. You got to be done. I got too many scriptures. Somebody thank God for the cross.
Colossians 1.13, let me read this. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the sun he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Somebody shout, I've been rescued. Shout it, shout it. But I'm still fighting. Come on, I'm still fighting. Still doing battle. In our culture, I find that people are hammered with anxiety, living in dread and fear. There's a brokenness and a vulnerability in our society. Many of us have these crazy issues of control and perfectionism. Did I say that? I just need to say that again. Control is sin. I got to show you something. Jesus, Jesus. Let me just, I'll just tell you, okay? Understand this. It is human sin that gives Satan power and dominion over us. Say, I'm just, here's what we say. Well, I'm forgiven. Okay. I'm impressed. I'm glad I'm forgiven and you're forgiven. Now, stop living in that. Walk out of it. Because as you walk in sinful life, it gives the enemy dominion in your life. It gives him a place to stand. I'll give you a good one. Unforgiveness. Do you know why you walk in unforgiveness? Because you want to control the situation. And I'm in control as long as I hate my brother or my sister. They will no longer hurt me. If I forgive them, they'll hurt me again. Who told you that? The devil told you that. And so out of your unforgiveness, now you have these deep wounds. And the enemy uses those as an easy chair in your life. Just to reside and to torment you. I'm preaching the truth. You have to get rid of your sin. The the cross disarms the claims of the enemy over your life. So through the power of the cross, you will be victorious. Anybody ever claimed the blood of Jesus? Anybody ever done that? Somebody say the blood of Jesus. Say the blood of Jesus. Here's our hope. Listen to the word of victory. Behold, I will give you authority. Luke 10. I will give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Start walking towards the altar. I want to I pray for people. Come on, start walking towards the altar. Uh, altar workers, come and stand on the platform with me, okay? 1 John 3 and 8. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Come on, anybody. I, I need people to come and pray with me. Many of you, start walking towards the front. We're going to pray together. We're just going to pray together. Jesus. The reason the Son of God appeared was this, to destroy the works of the devil. Revelation 12, 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Colossians 2.15 He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. John 12 and 13 Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast down. I want more people to come and stand at the altar and pray. I need some more people. Come on, just leave your seat. You're going to leave in a minute anyway. Just come and stand at the altar. We're going to pray together. I'm going to read Romans 16, 20. Read that. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. We're going to pray together. I'm just going to come and pray. You can pray from where you're standing, but Ephesians 6, 18. The final part of the armor of the Lord is this. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So I just want us to pray together. Okay? We're going to pray together as we close. Come close, come close. 
I'm going to have a prayer up here. You ready? I want you to all pray it with me, not after me. Pray it at the same time. I've got it written on the board. Let's read. Dear Father, I give my life to you to be filled with your life. Restore me to full union with Jesus, who is the vine. Restore my full union with Christ and with you. I return myself to you, my body, soul, and spirit, heart, and mind, and will. I return myself fully to the source of life. May I be one with you, even as Jesus was one with you. Let your life flow through me. Saturate me and all that I am. You are the God who gives life to the dead. Because the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in me, he will give life to my mortal body through his spirit. Stop, stop. Let's give praise to him right there. Let's give praise to him right there. Praise to him there. Shout, I am restored. Shout it, I am restored. Keep reading. I claim the triumphant resurrection of Jesus Christ against all forms of death and destruction that have come against me. By Jesus Christ and his great work, I cut off every attempt of my enemies to steal, kill, or destroy my life. Death has no power over Jesus now, and death has no power over me, for I am united with Christ. I claim the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus now against every law of sin and death and every power of destruction aimed against me. By the authority of Jesus Christ, I bind and banish all forms of bondage and death from me now. All dark spirits, all witchcraft, all powers of evil, I cancel all claims against me by the work of Jesus Christ. I present myself, Jesus, to be filled with your life. I am an overcomer through your blood and by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. reject unforgiveness I reject fear I reject every act of the enemy against my life against my family against my home against my church the room pray for one another begin to pray one for another listen pray in the spirit on every occasion let the holy spirit lead you in your prayer i am done with the attack of the enemy just go ahead altar workers as the holy spirit guides you as the holy spirit guides you i reject the lies that i have believed i am a child of god said i am a child of god. i am Some of you are living in anxiety. Some of you are living in pain and fear. Just wave your hand. You're struggling. Just getting up and getting out. Wave at me. Wave at me. Where are you? Where are those struggling? The enemies attacked you. In the name of Jesus, we come against the power of fear. 
be free. Be free. Listen. I tell you, sometimes the way you fight the enemy is by walking the next step. I will not allow the enemy to cancel the assignments that God has given to me. Say it. I will not allow the enemy to cancel the assignments that God has given to me. I plead the blood of Christ upon this church and upon these people. And we thank you for your precious gift of love and mercy. We thank you, Lord. You are good and you are faithful. And he who the Son has set free is free indeed. As we leave this place, we submit ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to you fully. We resist the enemy. And we will follow you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace and victory. We're going to pray up here for a while. If you want to stay and have somebody pray, just stay right here and altar workers will come to you and pray. All of you, be dismissed. God bless you. If I can ever serve you, come and see me. God bless you all.